their spell. Do you want to share? Yeah, Ken really was operating under the impression that most people are. Uh, people who haven't read the Bible, uh, at least parts of the Bible. He said, if I wanted to wind up in a relationship with God, how much would I have to do? What would the quota be? And uh, how many good deeds would I have to string together at what rate? And uh, so I took his... <laughs> Being achievement motivated. <laughs> so I took his dinner napkin there, a sidewalk cafe in Mexico City, and I said, well, Ken, religion is best spelled probably D-O. Religion is spelled D-O. It's what people do to try to get into a relationship with a God they've offended at some point. Christianity is spelled D-O-N-E. It's what Jesus Christ has done in His love and in His grace. And so I took that and slid it back across the table and I said, Christ has already paid the price for your sin. And uh, at some point I'm going to ask you to just receive what Christ has done for you and then trust that He'll come into your life and He'll start the transformation process and uh, Ken took that and put it in his pocket, and I thought, yeah, fat chance he'll ever act on that. <laughs> so then several months later, I mean many months later, I hadn't seen or heard from him. I'm in my office one morning, I get a call, and he says, Bill, this is Ken. I said, Ken who? He said, this is Ken Blanchard. I said, you've got to be kidding me. Uh, he said, I just signed up. <laughs> Said, for what? <laughs> he said, you know, that do versus done and asking Christ to be the leader of my life, the forgiver of my sin. I just signed up. And I got all choked up and said, Ken, that's just about the greatest news I could get on a day like today or a week like this week. We prayed together over the phone. And uh, we have had a ball trying to uh, establish Ken in the faith since that day. <laughs> Cleaning up my language and other kinds of... Uh, it's like uh, six months after that, at Willow Creek Church, where I'm the pastor, we were having a large leadership retreat. And I asked Ken uh, if he believed in free speech. And he said, huh? Uh, I said, do you believe in free speech? And he said, well, as a matter of fact, I do. I said, would you come and give one? Uh, <laughs> Because I'd heard all this talk about $40,000 a talk and all that. I'm Dutch. There's no way we're going to do that. So uh, as soon as I got him saying he'd give a free one, well, then he comes. And uh, so we have like 1,000 leaders at Willow Creek up at a retreat center. We're going to talk about leadership, how important it is in the local church. And uh, Ken gets up in the first session. And about 30 seconds into this, he says, got to tell you the story about two guys that go into a bar. And I'm going... Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Well, that one was a little trouble. And uh, then about 40 minutes into it, he tells another guy a story about a guy who goes into a bathroom reading a newspaper. I can't even tell you how racy that one got. So after that session, Ken says, so how did, how did I do? And I said, I'll tell you right after our emergency elders meeting that I've just been summoned to... Right, he almost got as much problem as when he invited Clinton to that church. Right? <laughs> All right, I got even, I got even. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, never mind. <laughs> but I've always, it's just been a ball. Uh, our friendship has evolved over 15 years now. Ken really is one of the biggest hearted people I know, has one of the brightest minds about the subject matter of leadership and management 
and he's just this incurable, growing person. He just studies and reads and grows and learns wherever he goes. And now the integration of his faith, his solid, heartfelt Christian faith, into what it is that uh, God has prepared him to do, 35 years of education and out there training and management. Uh, this guy's turned into a major offensive weapon for the kingdom of God. So I'm grateful. Well, and, and let me tell you what our offensive weapon is today. You know, this really isn't an evangelistic session. I tell people I'm not an evangelist. We've got enough trouble with the Christians we have. Uh, I'm not sure how many more new ones we need. But, uh, uh, but this is about how you behave. Because what happened is when I started to look at the Bible, and I started off you know, reading Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts because I want to know how the guy behaved, I found everything that I've ever taught, everything I've ever written, Jesus did. And he did it perfectly. And I used to think I was a big deal. See, but the research shows you know, that it, the uh, management or leadership theory lasts in the market five to seven years. So, for example, you know, Steve Covey with you know, his stuff is now starting to fade. It's been five years. Situational leadership, I started that with Paul Hershey in 1967. Today it's used worldwide more than ever before. The One Minute Manager, 1982, Wall Street Journal bestseller last month. Why? Because of Ken Blanchard? No. Because it's Jesus. Because that's what Jesus did. And you can see his hand in your life much better going backwards than you can see forward. And I see so many decisions that were made in my life that I didn't really know anything about until he said, okay, Blanchard, now that you're on your team, I gave you all that stuff so you can be useful. Uh, and uh, so what the today is about is about Jesus as a leader. This is about Jesus, not about Bill or I. It's about how we all can take him into our heart as the greatest leadership role model and make a difference in the lives of people around us as well as ourselves. That's what today is all about. It's about he is the number one leadership role model. And Bill really helped that process too in studying Jesus' leader because Phil Hodges and I sat down in South Haven with Bill with a blank sheet and said, you know, we want to do something about Jesus as a leader. And boy, he wrote... Uh, most of it. <laughs> and uh, so we wrote Leadership by the Book. And so Bill, of course, believes Jesus is the greatest leadership role model. Bill, will you share some of your thinking about that? Yeah, I have a confession to make. Uh, some of you know that uh, I've been a pastor, a senior pastor, for almost 30 years now at a church in Chicago. And about 15 years into the church, I began to understand how important leadership was to whether or not a church was going to prevail to its fullest potential. Now, you would think that I would have awakened to that much sooner. But if you think, what makes a church reach its full redemptive potential? What is it? Is it location? Is it the music program? Is it the denominational title? What makes a church reach its full redemptive potential? After 15 years of watching this, studying it, looking at it, various places around the world, I came to the conclusion it's leadership. It's pretty much all about leadership. In Romans 12:8, Scripture says, some of you have been given the spiritual gift of leadership. 
And if you've been given the gift of leadership, it says, lead with all diligence. It's up to those who have been given the gift of leadership or those of us in the positions of leadership to lead to our greatest potential. So I got serious about my own leadership development probably 15 years ago and have done studying about it, teaching on it, writing on it, and so. And then, again, I say this to my embarrassment, it was only probably five or six years ago that it dawned on me that the greatest leader of all time, the greatest leader of all time, is none other than Jesus Christ. Now, again, friends, I've been a pastor and a leader for 20 years by this time, before I came to that conclusion. And I think what had sort of perjured my mind on this, or why Jesus wasn't intuitively obvious to me as being the greatest leader, is because I grew up in a home, in a church, and went to schools where I was taught that Jesus was the greatest theologian in the history of the world. He was the greatest teacher. He was the savior of the world. He was wise. He was good. He was moral. He set the example of of love and all of that. But I never took sort of the lens of leadership and said, okay, I'm going to look at Jesus just through the lens of leadership. How did he stack up to other great leaders of all time? Interesting how this happened. One day I was sitting in my study, and I read a lot about leadership. I think that's one thing you do if you want to become a better leader. You read everything you can read about leadership. So I looked at one of my bookshelves in my office, and I started looking at some of the leadership books I had read over the years. For instance, the first one that, I was, drawn, that was drawn to my attention was this book by Warren Bennett.